This podcast is part of the Bad Wolf Network. Visit badwolf.com for information on all other shows. Hello and welcome to episode one of Running Down Corridors. I'm your host Martin and joining me this week I have Sam. Hello. And Chris. Hello. Gentlemen, it's a new day, it's a new podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, good, thank you. Good, thank you. Now we are going to talk about Legends of the Sea Devil today, but before we get into that, I wanted to talk about the uh, Peter Cushion 4K re-releases. You guys well, before we talk about that, I just want to hear Chris's... Can I hear Chris's Sea Devil impression again, please? The Sea Devils. <laughs> That's really good. That's so good. How did you make that noise in the background? The Through my mouth. Noise. Through my mouth. That's they're amazing. Not, they're not too far off Ice Warriors. Ice Warriors. But Sea Devils. Just have a sort of a stagger to them. Sounds a bit like a nuisance phone call. <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> oh, no. I can see you. <laughs> Is, are we misogynistic? <laughs> it's okay if we're being ironic. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 4K, and sorry about that. Already, we've got how long are we into episode one? We've already gone off subject. <laughs> so, the Peter Cushion Dalek movies are being basically repurposed into 4K, they're being remastered, mm-hmm. and they're also going to get a cinematic release in July. I'm interested in that. I yeah. don't see the point of 4K TV, I still don't. I'm perfectly fine with 1080. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, I, just, I just mean, like, it works when you've got a big enough TV, I suppose. Not that we've got a small one. We're not that hard done by. don't see the real difference in 4K at the moment, apart from seeing extra freckles. I'm, I'm happy with Blu-ray at the moment, but I would love to see the restoration on a big screen, like uh, cinema. I'm, I'm happy to see that. Yeah. Yeah, same. I, I'm, I'm, I'd like to go and see it at the cinema. I think, as I said in our introduction episode, one of the first uh, Doctor Who things I ever saw were the... the, the the movies that were taped off Sky Movies, I think, by my uncle in 1992 or 93. And they, I love them, you know, as a, as a four-year-old watching sort of Doctor Who. No, it's not canon, but it was Doctor Who with uh, his, his companions and the, the colourful Daleks and the Thals. It was, it was a very kind of fun adventure movie. And for pure nostalgia, I'd love to go and see it in the cinema. I, I've, I've, my, I've got a baby due in July, so I'm hoping if she holds on a bit, if it comes out like <laughs> 1st of July, maybe I could convince me and the wife to go and watch it in the uh, in the cinemas. If not, I might have to settle for the 4K version on home <laughs> release. But I'd, li- but I'd like to go. For me, that is probably the first movie. I just realized this. It's one of the, if not the first movie I've ever seen. So it would be wonderful to go and see that in the cinema. And I'm not really that sort of person who goes to see classic films in the cinema but that for me is something i'd love to see so i'm really excited about it actually if it wasn't for the lockdown to them when they released things because when the cinemas reopened they started they obviously didn't have any films to show so they started to screen old films and i actually quite enjoyed doing that because it was uh there was some uh, films that like we saw the empire strikes back on in cinema it's obviously one of the, the newer version of it anyway but it still had a lot of the old in there like the the sort of the models were we, we didn't notice how sort of ray harry house and looking the models were of in the, on the opening scene in the in the snow so but and uh, james bond is out in the cinemas now Brilliant. so, so I, i'm yeah. really excited to see that and i'll be yeah i'm gonna try and try and take uh see if liz will join me to go and see probably invasion earth i, I prefer that one I think I do as well. I think I do as well. I have fond memories of it as a kid, and every time I wanted to watch it, it wasn't. It was on, on again. We had it. It was any time I said, "Oh, they're showing one of the films," and it was. I was like, "This isn't the one." And they showed Doctor Who and the Daleks, yeah. and, and that one kept coming back. And I was like, "What? I want the other one." I think the opening to that is one of my favourite Doctor Who moments. With obviously Bernard Cribbins, legend of of Doctor Who, canon and non-canon. 
and just that opening scene of kind of 1960s London, the the music, the look, the the police uniform, and him kind of running down the road. It, it looks like a crime film or like yeah. a cops and robbers film. And just he sees the TARDIS, you know what it is. He runs at it, opens the door, and sees them. And I just think that's that was great. In fact, I was always kind of curious that you you know when there was a I don't know if people still do it. Actually, I'd say people still do it better than ever. People make sort of their own sort of supercuts with Doctor Who. Like they kind of superimpose things, make their own scenes. Basically, what uh, Babel Color does. But, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that sort of thing. I'm surprised no one ever cut together. You know, when he in, in how was it? Is it Journey's End, where he says to he says to oh no, I think it's his his last ever episode of David Tennant End of Time Part Two. He says to uh, Wilf, he says to him, "I'll see you again, Wilf." And I always wanted them to cut in that scene as if he'd go back in time and see him. So when he pulls the door open. It's not Peter Cushing. Uh, it's the Tenth Doctor. I was surprised no one ever did that. I think because it treads too far into what I like to categorise as fan wank. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about Bernard Cribbins, there's going to be a couple of interviews with him talking about the restoration. Oh, cool. So yeah, he's like 96 now. Unbelievable. Still, Still looks great. Strong. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, guys, shall we do viewing figure news? Even though viewing figures are completely pointless and don't matter now. But the viewing figures rhetoric, I've got an issue with it. And that is because we all want to believe that rhetoric when we're comparing viewing average of four million. This was two. <laughs> this was le- half of that. <laughs> it's isn't it Antics Roadshow more was more watched than this episode of Doctor Who was. No, that can't be right. It was, and do you want to know what the real nail in that coffin is there? Go on. Antiques Roadshow was a repeat. (laughs) Oh, my God. You see what I mean? And and people, because I was seeing this online, people going, remember, viewing habits have changed. I said, by viewing habits, do you mean they've just decided I'm not going to fucking bother. <laughs> you know, you know they're, they're not what they're watching other things. If that's what you mean by viewing habits, then you're 100% correct because people would rather not watch it <laughs> or, or, you know, or not fuss to watch it, I suppose would be a, a polite thing to say. That's, that seems to be where we are. Two million is absolutely abysmal. That was never Ooh. the case before. That is inexcusable, even for right. an overnight. I wouldn't... But, 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 but. Oh. It was still the eleventh most viewed show of the day. Yeah, but Britain's Got Talent got freaking five mil. <laughs> yeah, and look at that—a behemoth like Britain's Got Talent used to be is only getting three million more. That's yeah. that's true, I suppose. I mean, what I would say is I, I do understand the argument of you know things are different now, and I do get that. And when, when it's sort of your your average Sunday evening, which is where the series has sat for the last sort of three years, three four years, whatever. I get that argument. I go, yeah, do you know what? Fair enough. You know, to be honest, they kind of want it to do well abroad, and I'm sure it does fine abroad. I'm sure the overnights don't bother them too much. And then also, I do think the later series maybe has a younger audience. Therefore, younger people would mainly watch on the iPlayer. I get that and normal, but for me, if you're working at the BBC and you're putting together your Sunday, your Easter Sunday schedule, I think that's bad news. I I honestly do. I, I think you'd expect you'd expect for Easter Sunday rate you'd need ratings. And I do think even Britain's got talent only getting five million is quite something. That used to pull in ten million. Yes, the the weather was good. Yes, it's the first Easter bank holiday outside of lockdown in three years or whatever. I, I get that, but at the same time, the big thing there that you've got me is if you said four million, I'd be like, yeah, that's not four million. You know, near. The, I mean, even three point nine. It was as long as it's still around that mark. But two million is just too low for anyone. It's the antique roadshow thing for me. Yeah, that that what you've done there. So, Martin, was it on at the same time as? Britain's no, it's the same channel, isn't it? Antiques Roadshow is on BBC Two. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe so. And Britain's Got Talent was on the same time as Doctor Who. So they're all on the same. So first of all, I think putting Doctor Who on opposite Britain's Got Talent is the equivalent in the 80s to putting it on opposite Coronation Street. I think that's probably not the best idea to cross those two over. Hmm. Secondly, so, so was, did you say Antiques Roadshow was on at the same time? I believe it was, but I could be mistaken. But either way, if you're telling me that the BBC's repeat of Antiques Roadshow did better than a brand new episode of Doctor Who, which is, the bear in mind, the penultimate episode 
of Jodie Whittaker's tenure as the Doctor, that is quite something. It's definitely something to be considered. It's not something to be shrugged off of the viewing figures don't matter. It's either a case that not many people wanted to watch it or could be bothered to, which is a shame because it used to be. That's something I just don't understand. I got in a bit of a flack the other day for pointing out, well, there was it was asking, what's your most, un, what's your count? To be honest, I stepped into this. What opinion of Doctor Who would get you cancelled? And mine was... The, Doc- the Doctor Who has not been the BBC's flagship show for about 10 to 12 years, and we're lucky that it's still being produced. There is a strong fandom for it, yes. There is an overseas appeal to the show, especially in America, but that's not enough, really. You know, that's something that Netflix would consider uh, a potential success. But for what was... That's essentially... The thing about Netflix is, and this is a model they like to comp- obviously compare it with, is that Netflix is... Got, is saturated with so much that it's not expecting you to watch everything it's, it's expecting to create enough that everyone is sort of satisfied you know so they're only going to look out for uh doctor who if it was on netflix you know if it was made by them it's just stuck in its in its rut as a fandom show um some people criticized me there that day on twitter saying well it was actually very popular in america and so on i said yeah i'm not denying that there's a difference between being a flagship show and being popular. And it isn't popular with the general masses anymore. It's in fact, I could say it's actually embarrassing to even bring it up in conversation. Because my, yesterday, Easter Sunday, I went round to uh, see the relatives, uh, see my family, and my dad asked, is, uh, said, uh, Doctor Who's on, isn't it? And I sort of thought, ah, yes. Just sort of, you know, he was making conversation because he doesn't know else how to talk to me. I don't like football or anything. So, you know, and it just felt like I was embarrassed to answer, yeah, uh, but I'm not going to watch it live because i can't and i'm not really fussed to it feels like those days where you used to buy a doctor who magazine and stuff it inside a bag very very quickly you know it, <laughs> it, or put it in a porn mag just so you didn't look like a freak it is a turn of events considering doctor who used to launch or at least the weekend yeah that's what gets me i think like I said, I'm, I'm not really i've never been that bothered about looking at ratings if i'm absolutely honest until this till you told me the other till you told me one the 2.5 or whatever it was or two point was it again what was it two point two point twenty two point two that is just that antiques roadshow stat i'm sorry if you're at the bbc you're going to be in trouble they're going to look at that and go if things don't change quickly that's an issue because that's going to be one of their big shows they promoted for their easter weekend i know and i know like i said it was hot i know people would be out more than they would be in but still that's that's <laughs> it's more people watching a repeat of Antiques Roadshow than a brand new episode of Doctor Who. That's that's not great. And is it's it? not and it's not necessarily a case of you know the people who would watch Antiques Roadshow are not necessarily the same people who watch Doctor Who either. So it, it just shows that two point two zero million decided to watch it. You know, in the in the overnight. Well, you uh, say that, Chris, but I, I actually watched Antiques Roadshow, and uh, at one point, Chris <laughs> Chibnall came out and said, uh, "How much would you give me for this aging old sci-fi television?" <laughs> <laughs> Has it been in your family long? No, not very long. If anything, I've damaged it since I got hold of it. But moving moving away from the from the the viewing figures, there it didn't also help that the quality of the actual episode itself, I thought, was completely dire. In fact, oh, mate, don't get me started. <laughs> go, go on then, Chris. Give us your review of the whole episode. Let's, let's see what, yeah. Can I say what, I, what I, I found the perfect simile or metaphor for it? And that is, it's like eating a Tesco simple ham sandwich. <laughs> yeah, it does the job, but it's not really satisfying. It's, it's, yeah, I've, I've eaten something. But it's as if I haven't. <laughs> you know, it's uh, there's no flavour in it at all. It was so disappointing. Now, the opening sequence was quite interesting. You know, you start off, you've got a brilliant sort of sequence. Uh, I'm not, I don't care if anyone hasn't seen it. If you, if you tune into a review of Le- of uh, Legend of the Sea Devils and you haven't seen it, well, you're one of the several million who haven't. The, the opening with the statue and so on, even that first kill, I suppose, is actually quite quite decent. But it soon goes off into this story that doesn't really make up its mind what it is, and it ends is, is essentially it. The only the irony is that it shouldn't. It didn't even need sea devils in it. The sea devils were amazing. I'm gonna be. They they really did look great, really well designed, and so on. They didn't even need to be in it. 
there was like, they served no real purpose to it. You could have had any generic monster; it wouldn't have made a difference. And the only other bit that was the bits that were, I suppose, better, the better parts of it, was strangely enough, the Doctor and Yaz talking about how they can be together but not be together. I got some thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I, I do as well. I thought they were the better moments of the episode, but it doesn't mean it's saved the ham sandwich. Really? You lo- oh. Did you like those moments? No, there, there were some. I found a lot of it quite forced and bizarre, but I suppose it was the last scene on the beach that I thought was better performed, but the rest of the chat I didn't like as such. Martin, what did you make? While we're on that, let's go on to Yasmin. What's it called? Yasteen? Is that what everyone's calling it? You know, everyone's going, oh, it's so romantic. The doctors reciprocated the feelings. It didn't come across to me like that. No, the three of us, we're straight blokes. I bet in our lives, we've been rejected between us by about 50 women. And how often have you heard a woman say to you, speak for yourself, man? I don't know that many. I don't know that many women. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a Doctor Who fan. I've I've kept to myself. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right. How many times have you asked a woman out and she said to you, "Oh, you know what? It's not a good time for me. I'm busy with work. I'm busy with uni. My dad needs an operation on his balls. Whatever excuse she's given you, rather than saying I just don't want to be with you." And then three weeks later, you see her down the high street and she's with her new boyfriend. To me, it came across <laughs> as the doctor just trying to let Yaz down gently, but they're never going to do that because it would really upset a certain section of fandom who would see this as a missed opportunity. I don't think the doctor should ever have reciprocated any feelings towards anyone. And I hated it when David Tennant did it with Rose. It was absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. The whole, the last final words to her were going to be, I love you, which Russell T. Davis very cleverly cut and left it implied. I just thought, I, I suppose when that happened, I was sort of like, the previous doctors never did that. <laughs> Imagine how uncomfortable it would have been, you know, if Colin Baker turned to Perry, you know, and just went, you know, Perry, I have to say, <laughs> I quite like you. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry about the strangling thing, you know. It just seems uncomfortable. It just at no point watching the old ones did you ever think that the doctors were up to anything, which just shows how good the acting was. Because behind the scenes, they probably were. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now to Patrick Trout and coming on to Jamie, please. Jamie. It's <laughs> <laughs> already funny. Jamie, why don't you try on one of Victoria's dresses? Well, it's a skirt, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Stop, it's great. What if just Ben one day came onto the Doctor? Because it had us, honestly, uh, this is the thing that gets me a bit. Right, okay, uh, all right. I found the whole Tenth Doctor Rose thing too naff. It got, I like the subtlety of it was kind of suggested with the Ninth Doctor and Rose. I don't mind it when it's kind of done nicely. And subtlety and it has meaning. So I don't, I prefer actually, I don't mind the Doctor being romantic. But I've always preferred it when it's been a one-off. So I liked it when it was Madame de Pompadour. I thought that was a really mm. nice way to go. I didn't mind the River Song thing because it has longevity. I liked the way they were meeting people, meeting each other in different orders. I kind of like that. And she wasn't a regular. Maybe we saw a little bit too much of her. But in the early days, I found it quite fascinating that he had a wife that he didn't know and all this malarkey. Although I wasn't a fan, I've got said many a times, I don't like Series 2 of, of Doc 2 for me in my and, you know, I wasn't on social media talking about that. I thought the show was over. <laughs> my <laughs> ignorance shows what I know. So I, I didn't like it. I found it was too cheesy. I felt it was, you know, too naff, him always trying to kind of impress yeah. her. And, but at least you could turn around and go, well, it's built from this. You know, he built, you know, he met her as his old self and, you know, she saved his life. He saved her life and she cared for him when he was regenerating. You know, it had, it had sort of history. I never felt in any of the first two series that Yaz and the 13th Doctor had anything. To me, it would be, as when she first turned around and said, I like the 13th Doctor, it could have been Ben turning around and saying, I like the second Doctor. Give me Ben coming on to the second Doctor. It might as well have been... It, that, so how did... Do you remember the line? What did Yasmin say? What, how did she... She did say it in quite a subtle way. What did she say to her, to the, to the Doctor? Do you remember? That's actually how impactful the script was. I can't remember a single word of it. Suddenly, uh, you know, one day, Ben was there on his own. It just goes, here, Doctor, you know I fancy you, don't I? 
Don't get up your own ass about it. I'm just saying, I fancy you. Do you know what I mean? Now, Ben, now that, <laughs> now that Polly is um, off wandering elsewhere, I think it's time we have a little bit of a chat. Well, I think it's about time we do, Doctor. That's the pence off you, so I do. Oh, okay. oh, come on, Doctor, don't play the old insult with me. Let's get them trousers off. Ben, please. Oh, my word. Listen, Ben. Now, what's going on in here now? Look behind you. Ben, now, I I think you're a marvellous chap. But I'm afraid I've... I need to sort myself out. And if I ever do, then then maybe we'd give it a chance. (laughs) But right now... I think we should just be friends. And anyway, here comes Polly. Yeah, whatever you say, Doctor, yeah, fair enough, yeah, fair enough. Why don't you just throw this stone in the water for a laugh? I've just been rejected, had my heart broken, but I don't care now. Throw the stone in the water and make a wish. All right. <clears throat> I wish this could go Don't on. say out loud, you mug! <laughs> I, oh, I wish... <laughs> I, Sorry, but can I just say, how much better is Legend of the Sea Devils with Ben and the t- Second Doctor? <laughs> <laughs> I wish this moment would last forever. <laughs> um, which is which is ironic, which is ironic because thankfully the episode was only forty-seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! <clears throat> I was actually that's a saving grace that it was only forty-seven minutes. It was over before I could really digest it as such <laughs> did you guys feel like there were like huge scenes missing yeah oh god yeah it was it was very much a poorly edited and i suppose directed film episode um, there were scenes where they were just they just turned up like it would just cut and they're standing there yeah like when they do that thing with the net to catch the sea devils that's not set up there's no like nod between them no. they're just like now and then I'm just like, what? And then there's a bit where the sea devil jumps on the ship, and then oh, that was ridiculous. <laughs> and I, yeah, 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 I'm watching this going like, because well, th- there's two camps of thought online. There's a camp that think that this was meant to be Jodie Whittaker's last one, and then the BBC ordered the centenary special so that all bits of her regeneration and stuff like that, or anything that alluded to her regeneration, was cut. And then there's a, the camp that believed that this was a very last minute inclusion. I would go with the latter, personally, because I, I did feel that as I think one of the most important things in any drama, comedy, anything you do is pacing. And yeah. I think this this is the worst paced Doctor Who episode in the history of the show. And I feel bad because it, it did look impressive. I thought the sets looked really good. I thought that the, the baddies looked really good. The cannon firing at the giant murka was, was superb. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah I, you're right. It, it was, but it was just the whole show was yeah. paced so bad. You're right, there was a bit where Jodie was basically saying, I need to do this, I need to tell the sea devil this, and it just cut to her back yeah. where the sea devil was. We need to get back on we need to get back on the ship or before it goes down. Otherwise we'll mm. lose the planet forever or something like that. And then they just cut to them there. I know Flux was obviously filmed during the pandemic. I think they hid it a lot better than they did in the, in this because it looked like none of them were there. It looked like they were. They weren't really. There weren't many options where they were sharing the same shot. <laughs> oh yeah, this is all green screen. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, it looked like they were, were all filmed separately, about two miles apart, and then edited together. And suddenly, it looked like the only comparison I've got is like a comic relief sketch where they throw in cameos, like uh, when James Corden had all the people sitting round the table, and it all cut to you've got, and you know sure. they've filmed separate days, and they've had. Gordon Brown sitting there one day and they'll film with some other celebrity another day, Ringo Starr with it. And then when they edit it all together, it gives the illusion they're all there. That's the vibe I got. It didn't feel like any of them were particularly together. And it just it just really felt bizarre. It really did. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. It did feel very disjointed. It did feel like it it was shot on various days and they weren't really communicating with each other, which, again, I hate to brag on about it, does go against this whole shoehorning in the Yaz and the, and the 13th Doctor thing. Mm. I understand why people really like this. I, I do feel like it's more of a... It's like in the same way people like to 
I do think it comes more from fans' imagination. And I think maybe even in fans' imagination, the idea of the 13th Doctor and Yasmin is, is better. I, I just think, unfortunately, it just lacks. And it's nothing to do with the, the actors. I think they're both great actors. It's the writing that gets me. The thing is, if this had been dropped throughout series 11 and 12, then we'd be all the way here and it would make sense now. We'd have, would have had, you know, the 11th series, the 12th series, the, the flux, and then this. It would make sense for something to happen here. It just seemed a bit out of the blue for me. But then so did her her chat with, with John Bishop. And also, like, I feel I was unsure if 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 John Bishop was lying. You know, when he said, oh, come on, it's obvious she fancies you. Yeah. I was thinking, is it? Is this a thing? Is this <laughs> is it just me? But I didn't ever get that impression. Like, I preferred it when, what's her name, uh, Martha liked the Tenth Doctor and Captain Jack kind of basically said, oh, I can see you're obsessed with him as well and he doesn't fancy you back yeah i think that would have made more sense because i think that's a very doctor who thing i think the doctor is very good at keeping their cards to their chest not revealing their emotions Hmm. but so for john's character to just turn around and go oh yeah everyone anyway everyone would see that she fancies you it's like no no he can't you can't see that. Like, that's not a thing. I'm sorry. This has not been a thing that's built over this. This has been shoehorned in. And for that reason, it feels yeah, empty. For me, it's, it's only it's, really appeared in flux, hasn't it? Yeah. And it feels like a cheap way to, to, to pent up her regeneration to make it more dramatic. Mandip Gill and Matt Strevens, who is the executive producer, have both come out with very different takes on okay. when they learn about Phasmin. Matt Strevens says that it was always the plan from series 12 to have her but I, don't, I didn't see any of that in series 12 in series 11 we get we get Yaz's mum asking if they're a couple yeah. and yeah. then series 12 it's kind of hinted that Yaz fancies the master more than anything yeah. else yeah, yeah. right okay. according to Mandip Gill she didn't know that Yaz was going to fancy the doctor until either the Daleks that's not good that, that's poor writing for me because yeah. the Rose doctor thing was planned from the beginning the second the show came back Russell T Davis had Billy Piper's Rose and the Doctor. That was the plan all along that eventually they would fall for each other. Quite, yeah. Or that basically she would fall for him, but he couldn't fall for her. But we didn't have that. That was basically it. Him on the beats couldn't say I love you. And even when he was asked again, he had a second chance. What were you going to say that day? He can't say it back. And that's the the that's the the Doctor in a nutshell. He's romantic, but he can't be romantic. Or she's romantic, she can't be romantic. So. For me, that was that was long thought out. It was two series or three or four series built, and it made sense. So to not think that out from the start is is bad writing. I think I don't think you can just suddenly drop in. It depends. I wouldn't say it doesn't necessarily have to be from the start. It could have been, you know, like some TV shows find out the chemistry's there later on, and then they throw it in. However, but when they are writing, usually when they do those shows, the chemistry shows already. And then they start to add the hints because they know it. And they go, right, we're going to push down that then. Whereas in this case, there's been no sign of it. It'd be as if John Bishop just suddenly came out and just said, Doctor, I love you. You know, just all of a sudden. It just wouldn't have worked. It just it feels out of place. It it I know everyone sort of, they sort of joked about it. It was, I know, basically one thing I'll say about Doctor Who fans, especially the younger fans, are they're very, they've got big imaginations. In a sense, they're very imaginative. They're very, like, for example, I saw someone saying that earlier, uh, and we'll probably get to this, that uh, one of the, for the next episodes, uh, a couple of repair- characters are returning, but we'll cover that in a minute, saying, but they made a, a point about it. And I thought, that's a bit, I think you're overthinking this. It's a very overthought thing. Like, if you see two characters, therefore you ship them, you know, that sort of thing. I don't see, I did not see it with those two. Okay, I know where you're going there. I, I get this as well when people talk about Tegan and Nyssa. Yeah. You know, the whole Tegan and Nyssa thing? Like, mm. I don't see that. Uh, to me, I always saw them as very good friends. But also, I always saw Nyssa as quietly annoyed at Tegan. Yeah. Like, she's patient with her. But I always saw that she was like, I always saw them as sisters. But, like, one sister was really intelligent. The other one was a bit bratty. And would fly off the handle and get very angry because this is very composed, very sensible. Yeah, sometimes a bit boring. And Tegan's the opposite. Tegan's fun. She's nuts. She's she's all over the place. 
And sometimes she clashes with the doctor and it's Nissa who has to say, look, calm the fuck down, love. Do you know what I mean? Look, panicking's not going to get you anywhere, blah, blah, blah. I completely understand why people might see them as a couple. And, you know, that's the the, the wonder of the show. You can imagine everything, in, you know, you can imagine all sorts. I'll be honest, I've been guilty of it. I still think the Rani is an ex-girlfriend of the doctor. In my head canon, that's just always been it. I always feel that her comments to the sixth doctor about being attractive and their university days has always in my head since before the new series always made me think they were ex-girlfriend and boyfriend at some point. So we're all guilty of doing it. But for me, I always thought that of all the classic series companion and doctors, there's people who've always said, oh, well, Sarah Jane and the fourth doctor are a bit, or Joe and the third doctor. But in, but in my in, in my head, the, the, the closest I ever saw was Nyssa and the fifth doctor. And people forget they're the only companions who kissed. Because she kisses him. On, I know it's not a proper kiss, but she kisses him on the cheek near his mouth when she leaves. And that's never mentioned. But that, I think, is quite a big thing for 1981 and the fifth incarnation, incarnation of Doctor. I always felt like those two were were more romantically linked than any other classic series, Doctor Who companion and, and you know, a pairing. And especially when Tegan comes back, he seems kind of annoyed that she's back. It's always been like, well, there goes that plan with Nissa then. Now she's back in the room. But again, that's just me. And like, I know I kind of get where people come from, but there does seem to be sometimes a collective census that suddenly this thing just happens. And I think Nissa and Tegan is one of them. And I do feel that maybe this has happened with the Doctor and Yaz, and maybe it's the fans that have pushed the show in this direction. Yeah, I've got a couple of points. I guess firstly, Nissa and Tegan are canonically a couple now because RTD wrote it in that goodbye Sarah Jane thing that he did during lockdown. Oh, did he? yeah, it's yeah. explicitly, Rani explicitly oh, okay. says that this nice couple, Nisha and Tegan, came to the funeral. But so I guess that's okay. probably the direction he's he's going to take it. Fair enough, point. fair enough. But when it comes to Phasmin, I, during Series 11, I saw fans demanding that they wanted Phasmin. So I think what probably happened is the BBC went through all their feedback, all those thousands of angry emails they would have got from people like Daniel Witterbottom, Stanley, <laughs> all of those types of people <laughs> like emailing in and tweeting. And I bet when they collated all of the tweets and everything like, like thing like that, all the teenagers were tweeting Phasmin, 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 Phasmin. So I bet the BBC were like, right, this is something the fans really want. Is it just me or is this entire era with that logic sort of basically as if it's being run by, like, what's her name, Lindsay Nagel and The Simpsons? <laughs> That's the way I see it. It's, it feels like Poochie the dog, that whole thing of we listen to the trends. We've got to do this rather than, you know, any artistic value, really. It's, it, just, it just feels very much like they're sort of stuck in their rock and hard place, really. They have to appease, they're trying to appease fans, and so, please don't leave us. We'll do we'll do Thasmin. We'll do Thasmin then. <laughs> you know, another thing I noticed that was really bad about this episode was the ADR. Like, there's a shot of bloke over his shoulder, and you can see his jaw moving, but his jaw doesn't match what's coming out of his mouth. And when I looked at it again, know, it's, it's clearly it's clearly that they just looped the same shot for some reason. It's just so weird. I didn't actually notice that. I think it was I, I struggled to keep awake. Just quickly, because uh, we're jumping around a bit, I, I, I want to talk about technical stuff as well. But let's uh, just keeping on that sort of big moment with Yasmin and the Doctor. Like I said, if, it, if it's going to happen, then yeah, absolutely, that's cool. It, as I said, in my opinion, I prefer these things to build over time, and I do think it's like, a little bit lazy to do it late. If you're suddenly told as a character, oh, and now your character is in love with the Doctor, I think it's a bit like, oh, okay, because you, you've got to have some real good writing to suddenly have that emerge out of nowhere. I, re- I really just think it, it's not something you can just... I, I think that's quite a disrespectful, not just to the to the viewers, but to the characters, I think to suddenly just have them turn like that is is not. I don't mean turn as in sexuality. I mean turn as in their pers- <laughs> their personality just changes. If you know what I mean, I don't want people to think that's wrong there. But if you know, but at the end of the day, if, if people, I think some people will really like it. I, if it is fan led, then fair enough because it does seem to think a lot of fans uh, are into. But for me, I'm absolutely yeah, I'm fine. If you want to do a Yasmin Thirteenth Doctor thing, I just wish they'd done it back in Series Eleven. 
and built it from there because then it would mean something these moments really mean something another missed opportunity is when this was announced and it was coming out all the publicity for the bbc and fans made a big thing about madam ching being in it well say fans fans who heard she was in it and then wikipedia'd her to sound (laughs) smarter than what they are on twitter went and said what a great historical character this is and it's great to have her in it she could have been anyone in this i learned nothing about her in this. No, no. Yeah, and that's a shame because I, I'll be honest, I've not heard of her and I think there's no shame in that. If you've not heard of a historical character in the programme, then it's your opportunity to learn. You know, it's the classic BBC. The original Doctor Who was there to educate. So if they're going to bring in a, a character, you want to find out a little bit more about them. I, I completely agree with that. I, I think she was... Uh, I know, again, she was sort of there. She had some pretty cool fighting moves. She was a strong female character, but I didn't know anything more about the historical the irony was she needed a crew, which was missing for the episode, uh, to really cement her as a pirate. And then a bloke that's been twitching in some glass for like 300 years shows up and he's like, oh, take this over there. And she's like, okay. And that's this strong female character that we're getting in this thing that the BBC <laughs> have been banging on about. It's, it was a hugely disappointing episode. Do you think it would have gone down better had it been in the middle of a series as opposed to a special? No. I honestly don't. I, th- I for me, it I'm was not saying it would have been. I don't think it would have been any better as its own. But yeah. would we have been less disappointed? We've been used to it. I suppose. <laughs> there, there might be an element of that because the last one we saw was what New Year's Day. So now you're talking about three, four months, and now we got about nine months until the next one. Maybe, maybe there is a little bit of like I kind of wanted a little bit more. It's the shortest special we've had since 2005. Yeah. And that goes back to, I just think loads of stuff was cut from this for whatever reason. It's like I saw Morbius recently at the cinema and you go, you go and watch Morbius, right? And it's very evident that like, oh, a five minute scene was cut from here. A four minute scene was cut from here. A 10 minute scene was cut from here. I got that feeling here. Like, I think this was meant to be 60 minutes. Oh, do you know what? Something happened with this recently in Peaky Blinders in the season finale. There was a, a weird moment where we seem to have missed a whole scene. Like suddenly a guy was there and he'd been revealed as a traitor. Then a traitor, they looked like he'd been tortured for a bit and suddenly given them all this information. No, we hear. And and again, is, is this an, are we having some timing issues with the BBC? But you know, but again, it, I think you would needed another half an hour, maybe added onto this for it to make sense. I just feel it was too fast. I mean, like I said, I, I watched my wife and she's not. She's a she's a big Jodie Whittaker fan. She's a huge Thirteenth Doctor fan. She's she she watched a bit of Flux with me. She's a casual viewer, but she watched this and just said, sorry. I, within 10 minutes, she went, I'm sorry. I'm not, this isn't for me. I'm, I'm not, it's just not, I'm not really getting it. That sounds very familiar to what was happening in my house. My fiance turned to me and went, this is really bad. Do we have to watch this? And I went, don't worry. We've been watching this for ages now. There can't be long left. And I got the, like, the thing up to see how long was left. We've been watching it for 11 minutes. Hmm. And oh, and my my dad never calls me. He never calls anyone about anything. What he will do is he'll wait for my mum to call someone and then he'll just chip in in the background with what he wants to say to them. And I woke up this morning to three missed calls from him. So I was like, oh, fuck, it must be an emergency. And I called him and the first thing he said to me, he didn't even say hello. He went, did you watch that absolute shit episode of Doctor Who yesterday? Uh, don't you feel guilt don't you feel like they anyone who knows you will talk to you just like like you're the spokesperson for the brand yeah yeah yes. they, 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 they say well that was a bit shit the other week wasn't it what was that all about oh uh, the worst one is when they they apologize to you for thinking it was shit like you wrote it yeah <laughs> I don't excuse it. This is the reason why I'll never, I, I think I'll never ever be in the show or ever work on it. Or I don't, I wouldn't even want to because I know that how harsh. Chitnell did it after he went on telly and slagged it off. Yeah, but I know, but I, I'm sort of, I'm not like a Tory MP. I know if I'm going to, if I've got something in the past <laughs> that's going to dig up and throw me into a hypocritical situation, I won't do it. But, you know. Chris is not allowed to do the show. He'll leave a he'll he'll leave a tripod on the set. <laughs> so so I'll be you know I'll uh, I I know for a fact that if I was a showrunner or doing something, people will be critical of me doing it. So I'm not going to and probably be as harsh as I'm potentially being. So I'll never want that responsibility. But it's people ask me like they they they'll, they'll say to me, especially parent my family will say, 
Well, that wasn't very good, was it? I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, okay? I, I didn't write the thing. If I had, I probably wouldn't. It's, it's sort of, I suppose, almost like a football fan mentality. You're sort of like, well, you, your team didn't do very well, did they? You know, they, but they refer it to them as if they were the team themselves. And uh, says, well, you lot were you were rubbish at the, the weekend, weren't you? I didn't write the show. I just watched it and hated it like you did. <laughs> well, I had a similar thing recently where my wife walked in when I was watching Paradise Towers, and they're going red clans, red clans, rather whatever, and she just <laughs> looked at me as if to go, "I'd rather you were watching porn." <laughs> like what is this and i was like oh it's the it was different it was the 80s and then it's like <laughs> it's just been bonnie langford i was like look it's a woman off eastenders she didn't care she left um not me for good she she, she came back <laughs> a couple of days later um guys i feel like obviously this is uh, none of us enjoyed it but let's, let's be honest um some final bits i just want to add in is that i was really disappointed of how badly they got this wrong because some of the issues we've mentioned about chibnall is that he struggled with the the limit of how much time he has and if you look at this other than the sea devils there were only the three companions sorry the doctor the two companions and we only had uh four supporting cast human characters i don't know how they got this that wrong four supporting characters it wasn't overcast it was a very small cast i don't know how they messed this up any positives from you guys anyone i've got is that i think i really liked was it ji hun played by Arthur Lee, the younger guy. I found him quite endearing. I like that he joined her crew at the end, gave her a hug. I thought that was quite funny. I like his bits with Dan. Again, uh, I think John Bishop as Dan is great. I think he's entertaining as ever. Yeah. And we talked about the kind of the Yaz and the the and the 13th Doctor moment. I actually find the moment when he called Diane more. I mean, it wasn't that interesting, but I actually found that pulled on the heartstrings a bit more than... The Yasmin and the 13th thing I thought was quite sweet. The whole, I was just thinking about you. You know, he's leaving her a message when she calls him. I, I think that was quite nice. And again, I think it, it looked good. So the, the fight scenes were directed really nice. And they, they are my sort of main positives of, the, of that show, I suppose. Anything you guys you liked? I just like that Dan just swashbuckled down five sea devils. Oh, he just kills them. Yeah, out of <laughs> nowhere. He just kills them, doesn't he? Jodie Wick has got a real problem with the pirate queen killing killing someone. Yeah, no mm. issue with Dan taking down five. Hey, this is how we do things in the pool. <laughs> yeah, I I will say that is on my main list of things I hated was again Jodie having an inconsistent. This is something you didn't get in the whole of Flux. The whole there was no need to kill him. It's like well, why? I would stop there and go right. Stop. Why? She go because air bag gum. Put your belly by your bum. And I go, no, it's not good enough. He just tried to kill me. The only thing I could do here was stab him in the back of his stupid head. What could I do? He's had me imprisoned for three millennium. What would you do? No, like, I, I need an answer to this. There's no reason to just, you can't just say, I don't like guns. I don't like killing because it's a Doctor Who catchphrase. You have to have a reason behind it. You have to say, if you'd let him live, I could have bargained with him. It's like in the 10th Doctor story, the first story, he has a go at the Prime Minister for killing them. And his excuse is because they were leaving. They were leaving. They had surrendered. You needed to let them go. She's never given a reason for no guns. She's never given a reason for no killing. She just says, I don't like them. Despite using guns herself and killing herself. It, it makes no sense. That is the, the worst thing that happened in this episode. Is another stupid, shoehorned in Doctor Who catchphrase of, why did you kill them? Especially given that in Flux she kills Dalek side men and every all of them. There you go. Oh, just a mass genocide. <laughs> yeah, mass genocide. Yeah. That's all. That's all right, though. Anyway, that that's a discussion for another day. But my overriding thought of this episode is it it feels like it's been written by someone who's never seen Doctor Who, never heard of Doctor Who, huh. but is writing what they think Doctor Who is. Yeah. Oh. You know, that's very generous there, mine. <laughs> I'd say it's very generous because it didn't feel like a lot like Doctor Who to me. The jumping around the TARDIS bit was quite... Oh, the the thing, I really wish that monster had been the Myra, or whatever it's called, the thing from Warriors of the Deep. I really wish it had been that. Merka. Merka, yeah. I wish it had been... Apparently it wasn't. Was it not? I thought it was. No, it was something from Chinese mythology. Yeah, it should have been the Merka, because that would have just been like, well, at the end of the day, at least we got that crappy monster back properly, and it looked awesome. Merka looked good. Well, we're going to call well, it Merka. disappeared as well. We, talk, we talked about headcanon. The new Merka looked great, but as you said, it just disappeared. It just disappeared. It wasn't the, 
but at the end, it was just it was just resolved, and that was it. We thought, oh, okay, all right, thanks for that. Also, how can this Merca shoot cannons back? We're going to move on to the trailer now, aren't we? My positive is that it was just forty-seven minutes, and the trailer came on for the next one. The trailer's epic. I will say, I'm going to be controversial. Ace and Tegan didn't do anything for me. Not in in their run. In their runs, they were fine back in the, when they were in it. But them being in this trailer didn't make me go, ooh. I was just like, why? Oh, I got very excited when I saw Ace. I didn't. It took me a second to realize who Tegan was. The dialogue was pretty clunky in that trailer. Though. Well, it's a it's a Chibnall written thing, of course it is, mate. I haven't seen him in forty years. He goes about thirty years for me. You know. <laughs> For Christ's sake. Wouldn't you turn around and go, yeah, but that's not as impressive of what I just said. <laughs> yeah, my fiance didn't have a clue who they were. She's never watched Classico. No, my wife didn't know why I was getting excited. She was like, why are you getting excited over two old ladies? I go, well, you obviously don't know my porn habits. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, I hope they don't, I hope they don't over egg the pudding because Bradley Walsh is back in it. We've got Sasha Dewan in it. We've got Cybermen. We've got Daleks. We've got two returning older companions that we know of from the classic era. And Janet Fielding tweeted that Chris Chibnall has assured her this isn't the last surprise. Okay, so to quote Wingy Media, if you've ever seen YouTuber Wingy Media, he's, he's a really good YouTuber, does some Doc 2 stuff and TV and drama. This is what he would call Toy Box uh Toy Box writing, I believe, or Toy Box directing, which is basically where the writers go, let's just get everything out of the box and throw it all down on the table. I think it's a bad idea. I, I think it happened with, it's, it happened a lot with Moffat, just piling on all these old things. And this is my big issue with it. I want to address the Tegan Ace thing first. My journey of that, watching that trailer went like this. So don't get me wrong. As I said, the first VHS I ever owned, Resurrection of the Daleks. Martin, you need to watch it because I think we need to review I've put it on my iPad for when I'm in the hospital. So Fantastic. You'll love it. It's really violent and horrible. <laughs> it's a bit torchwoody, actually. It's quite torchwood because it's very violent. And so I, I like that Ace as well. Fantastic. Love Ace. Really great companion. So when they popped up, I was like, wow, great. It's them. They're back. Great. Jeez. Wow. Really enjoy this. And then I suddenly was like, when I we all sort of spoke after the episode, and I was like, oh, hang on. Now I'm worried because... Having Ace back, I think, is something that fans have wanted a long time, including me. I think I think there's always been room for Ace to come back. The reason being is that Ace never got a send-off. There's been lots of different ideas in various media about what happened to Ace next. Mm. There's uh, uh, there's a, a comic strip, quite a popular comic strip story, where she dies. There's a version where she went to Gallifrey to become a Time Lord. There's then rumours she died in the Time War with the Time Lords. There's rumours that she was a Time Lord, but then got one of the thingy arcs and went there. There's also people consider canon the the trailer for the season 26 Blu-ray, where she seems to be like a lib, liberal Democrat who lives in London. She is just, just a Lib Dem. And like, you know, there's lots of stuff. So she's alive. We now know she, officially Ace is alive. So that's a big thing. We, we know how Sarah Jane left. Or to an extent, it was explained to us, and we, we kind of know, we, we're going to have this whole thing now. And this is the thing that gets me, is that I think Ace Returning deserves its whole episode. Not necessarily in the sense of for old fans, but the reason Sarah Jane worked, and we discussed this last night, is because she was not only brought back and old fans knew who she was, but she was explained. And for, for fans back then, we only for new fans back then, they only knew... Billy Piper. They only knew Rose. So the idea that there was this woman from many, many years ago is a great introduction into what Doctor mm. Who is. You know, he's a young man, but hang on, he used to travel with this older woman. And it's explain but it takes half the episode to explain it. It takes half the episode to explain what happened. It takes half the episode to explain why he never went back for her. It yeah. takes half the episode to explain the psychology for both of them. She is like terrified seeing him again and he's emotionally hit for seeing her again and then you get into this whole kind of what it means to be a, a, a companion and it it's a test for the new companion of i've got to live my life like this woman i might be this woman in the future 
I might be old and alone and never over the doctor. So there's a, it's a really nice way of doing it for the old fans and the new fans. That was the genius of that episode. And it obviously worked whether you like the episode or not. Objectively, it was a success because it brought back Sarah Jane. She came back a few times after that. She had her own spinoff. And, uh, you know, it's amazing really how Sarah Jane, the character completely and with the same actor, by the way, dominated the old series and the new series. She's the only actor to, I think really to have done that in the role of both the same person. So I think that's amazing. I think Ace deserves that same respect. I think it needs to be explained out because well, bear in mind the psychology of what happens to her. The the seventh doctor was a father figure to her. He took her in when she was pretty much orphaned. Yeah. She was alone. She, she had a bad relationship with her mum, which is hinted on in quite a dark way in survival. You hear about her mum and all that sort of stuff. And so suddenly this father figure returns, but now it's a woman who looks 20 years younger than her. Like, how much is that going to mess you up? Like, oh, great, the doctor's back, expecting it to be this little jolly man with an umbrella, and it's a young woman. There's a lot to unpack there, I think, and it would be interesting, and maybe we'll find out the reason they left, and that could be some, there could be some tension there. There's lots to explore in an episode. But on top of that, you've got Cybermen, Daleks, Master, a regeneration, and Tegan returning. And Tegan herself is the only companion, I'd say, to have left the Doctor on bad terms. They leave on very bad terms, of her basically saying... I'm done with this. All you do is go around where people die. And he even says, don't leave. Spoiler alert, mine, but you'll enjoy it when you see it. His last words to her is, don't leave, not like this. And she just runs away. So you've got to unpack that as well. Like, this is just, if it, if it's shoehorned in for a quick 10-minute cameo, I'm going to be so annoyed. I generally think that will be the case because none of the options so far in this era has been executed well. I think... You've got too much going on. The it's it's not going to balance well. The if you're going to think that will be missed, to be honest, they will just be. I I, I just don't think they're going to. They're not going to fulfil everything. And it look it's similar to how people keep saying. These were some of the, the views I saw online uh, for people sharing about what big deals it's going to be. And I just think it's not going to be that. I I generally do not keep Chibnall that high. I've not got a high opinion of him as a writer enough to do that because if you were going to do a story like that you would do like you did with sarah jane you would have just her it wouldn't be a your own it wouldn't be the fucking regeneration story you know Mm. where where it looks like the timeless children arc comes to an end they are literally i they're just extensions of kate stewart in my opinion so i'd definitely lower your expectations if they are if they do flesh them out a bit more great but to me, it looks just—it just looks like a bit of fan wank to finish off an era that people are only partly watching. Depends how long the special is. If it's ninety minutes, then it's possible they'll do them justice. If it's anything under an hour, then it's not going to happen. Or it could be because you know I saw Katie Manning tweet that both Chibnall and RTD have told her that this six, this hundredth uh, special was going to be epic. I don't think they're the only companions in it, which, which... probably not. Neither do Which I. Which gives me again the impression. But how do we know? How do we know these companions aren't coming in till the end of the special, and then the sixtieth is going to be the companions trying to find the Doctor? Again, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be a big fan of that. I think if you're going to do a sixtieth fans finding the Doctor, I think they all need to be new series. I think it needs to be Rose and Martha and all that lot because it's a the, yeah. this. It's been explored. We know it's, who they are. When they have their finishing, they come back. By all means, throw them in, but they would be, regretfully, just cameos. Yeah, yeah. and I think they deserve more than that, personally. They do, but the audience aren't going to know much of them. So it's, it's, to me, it's, it's a bit of a, a point, which is adding, we're adding old faces to, to basically for the fans to go, oh! I mean, like the Sea Devils weren't in, at all needed in this story that we're reviewing today. Yeah, um, absolutely. And they were thrown in as a, oh! Sea Devils, you've brought the Sea Devils back. Oh my God, I can't wait to see this. Oh, this was shit. You know, and I, I have a feeling it'll go down the same way. It's, it's, it, there's just too much being thrown in, and even no writer can balance that. I mean, even the Avengers struggled <laughs> with it, you know. And that's my fear because I do feel with a character like Ace, which who never in the in the TV history of the show got a proper exit, deserves more than a cameo. And I, you know, it's, it's like I said to you before, it'd be a bit like if you just whacked Sarah Jane's return into Parting of the Ways or into Journey's End. It would just be bizarre. 
it needed to be its own episode. The, the monster takes a back, you know, the, the monsters take a, um, a back seat in that story. They're quite good, but they're purposefully not got much depth to them because the story is about the doctor finding Sarah Jane again. That's the story. So to do like an A story, you need a, a yeah, like a monster or whatever or, or whatever like that. You can't be balancing an ace return with the. Imagine if those monsters that come back in Sarah Jane one were the Daleks or the Cybermen. It would make no sense. You wouldn't have. It's too no. much going on for me, and I just that is my fear. Maybe it might. I mean, maybe having Tegan in to, with like a five minute cameo might work, but for me, I think Ace in particular is is I really worried about what they're going to do with that character. It's like Flux and all the Chibnall is that he puts a lot of characters in and doesn't balance them at all. You know, none of the characters, even Vinda, have had really good parts to play. Vinda's back as well. Yeah, I know, exactly. It's just going to be, it's just a crowded ending, which is a shame. But anyway. And bear in mind, in the middle of all this returning stuff, we're supposed to care about Thasmine. You don't need yeah. all these people. If you want to make your focus the 13th Doctor and Yasmin, do it here. Do it in this finale. Put the, the mon- put a random monster in, put them at the back seat, and make the whole story about Yasmin and the 13th Doctor. If that's where you're going to go, you're just chucking everything into the mixing pot. And it's, I, you know, I think it could be, it could be a bit of a uh, an event. I think it could be quite fun. I think we might enjoy second moments of it, but I think in the in the in what could be done, what potentially could be done, I, will be missed. Unfortunately, I think it's too much all going into what will be a ninety minute a ninety minute yeah. special. But it's a bit of a yeah. We'll see. I understand bringing in the Daleks and the Cybermen because if you just go out in your house now and ask a random person, name free Doctor Who villains, I bet it would go like this, Daleks, Cybermen, Master. That and they have had a bit more of, of them in this era. I mean... But you kind of need them. If you're doing like a celebratory thing of the BBC, Doctor Who is a big part of that hundred years. Hmm. The Daleks even more so. So I completely understand bringing in the Daleks. Same, yeah, I, I do. I just don't think you need to start shoehorning an old old companion. They also need to undo the flux somehow. Well, good luck, mate, because we're still waiting on whatever the hybrid is as well. The timeless child, the timeless child story's got to come to an end because there's no way Russell's going to continue with that, and it's just yeah, it's, it's just it's just too much to put in. I mean, even Moffat when he did Time of the Doctor tried to rush an hour a departure for Matt Smith, covering mm. all of the things that he built up, mm. and that didn't that didn't work. But anyway, I'm gonna. I think we probably best wrap this up. Oh, can I can I just ask you both one more question? Yeah, go on. You mentioned then that Katie Manning says that there's more surprises to come. Can I get a prediction from you both of what you think is going to be either revealed before that episode or a surprise that's going to happen in that episode, whether it be returning characters or baddies or whatever? I think we're going to get more companions. And it's also been rumoured that within the next two months, we're going to know who the new Doctor is. Okay. So maybe they show up at some point. Cool. What, what did you, any companions in particular you think are going to rock up? Look at who we've got now. Mm-hmm. We've got seventh doctor. We've got no fifth doctor, seventh doctor. Who's missing in that? The sixth doctor's companion. So I think you bring in Nicola Bryant. Okay. Yeah, probably Katie Manning at some point. Maybe Bonnie Langford because like she was in EastEnders for years and people loved her in that role. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Chris, what do you think? Who do you think is coming in? The same, really. I just don't really care that they're in it. <laughs> I as harsh as it is, as nice as it is to see more of them go. Ooh, okay. I just think it's just throwing more, throwing more into a sedentary fan wank. So do you think? So do you have a prediction on any other baddies or any other companions coming in for the for that for that episode? Tim, they could bring back Tim Shaw for all I fucking care. About. Tim Shaw? And I don't know. I got no real opinion of it. I'm just hoping that it ends. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm more interested in how Russell T Davis is going to turn it around because Russell succeeded once, and I think you said before, Sam, uh, a football manager. When it comes to football, the manager, if they've had a good run and they've left, they shouldn't go back. And I believe the same here. Okay. I think it's. I think Russell could do something brand new with it. He could do, but. At the time, and he ignored all fan criticism. He just set out with the agenda. This is what we're doing. Bish, yeah. bash, bosh. That's it. But he wasn't on social media at the time. He now True. is. I think he'll come off for that. I think he will. Oh, you'd have to, wouldn't you? Yeah, it, he'll come off of it because of that. And it'll be much harder for him to ignore some of the things. I'm intrigued to see. I, I just don't know how he can revitalize the show. And that intrigues me. 
because the BBC obviously found faith in that he could do it. I want to know how they're going to do it, especially when he's doing it. He's to produce it in house as well, you know. So it could. I just. I just don't know. I'm more intrigued. How is he going to turn it around? Because to me, the the show is is pretty much on death door. Okay, viewing figures aside, it's the quality of it. The quality of the show has gone downhill. It may still be made. It may be still be produced. And we're frankly, I think, lucky that they've got that Russell Davis's. Either I don't know if he pitched it or whatever, but or they asked him very nicely. But the fact that they're even doing another series after this, another new Doctor and such, it, to me is a fucking miracle. Because if I was in charge of the show, or if I, if you know, we might not have Michael Grade in the office, but any other director of television would go, let's kill the dead horse. It's mm. being flogged too much. So I'm intrigued more what happens after but i will watch it just to see how it ends because i, I want to know how she dies yeah and again you know i would have loved to have seen jody whittaker maybe stay on for one more series new companions basically give her a kind of a, a season 18 with russell t davis would have been quite nice you know in the same way we sort of got tom baker with jnt i would have quite liked to have seen how she yeah new scripts and everything and seen her doctor and uh, Rusty Davis. I'm sure Rusty Davis would have loved to have written an episode for Jodie. I reckon he would have absolutely loved that. But she doesn't want to stay. That's fair enough. I, I will say my prediction for the the hundredth episode is that Rose Tyler's going to be in it. That's my big prediction. I'll give you evens on that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's do a new thing then. I think we should do this for all episodes going forward. Let's give it. Should we give it a, a five star rating? Let's give it uh, five swashbuckles rating. A Chris. Out of five? I assume five being the highest. Mm-hmm. Zero being negative, worse. You can negative, one. Negative three. No, I will give it two. Can't eat. And that's just because the sea devils look nice. All right, Martin? Yeah, I'll go with a two swashbuckle as well, just purely for the sea devils. I'm going to go two as well. All right, so I hope you've enjoyed this first episode of Running Down Corridors. Next week, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who spin-offs, which ones worked, which didn't which we would like to see come back. And then after that, it's going to be up to these fine two gentlemen what they cover because I'm going to be in hospital having some surgery. He is, and we wish you well for that, Martin. Hope yeah. you uh, get better soon. But while you are recovering, do please, you know, in- indulge yourself and get through some some episodes that hopefully we can, we can cover. I-, I wonder if when you're high on morphine, we should recommend... <laughs> uh, top, top five Doctor episodes to watch when you're off your face on morphine. I'm already thinking Mind Robber's got to be up there. Put it on the iPad. Yeah, Underworld. It's Tom Baker's story. Okay, I'll look out for it. It's it's so bad. It's like it's mainly all CSO, so color separation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's it looks it's it's as dreadful as it looks. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll be off my tits. Do you want if I finish on this on this last little um, comment about the Legends of the Sea Devils? was a show on TV on Easter. I thought, oh, that's for me. Doctor Who was the show. I watched a classic ballet from years ago. They botched. I wonder if I'm done with the show as it lost on rating to the Antiques Road Show. <laughs> I hope you both saw the trailer that they did. Otherwise, that would make no sense. <laughs> <laughs>